This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. Penalties? What is penalties? <laughs> Who are Man United? Heroes can emerge from the unlikeliest of places at the unlikeliest of times. And it was on this Sunday, the 31st of March 2019, that Thomas Mounier emerged as the modern day man of the people. With a simple 10 word tweet, does someone have a streaming link for Portsmouth Sutherland? Thanks. His name was written in legend. What a guy, Thomas Mounier. Some heroes don't wear capes. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Mounier, Belgium international as he tries to make people know he's not French, even though everyone thinks he's French. He's Play, playing for Paris Saint-Germain. Playing for Paris Saint-Germain. They're starting right back most of the time. Yeah. Wanted, wanted to watch the Czech trade trophy final <laughs> between Portsmouth and Sunderland. Went like Sunderland till I die, you know, maybe that got him on board. He maybe. must have watched that because I can't think maybe of any other reason. Yeah, or maybe he really likes Dick Advocat or something. Dick Advocat? <laughs> <laughs> so why He's the Chris Coleman stand. Uh, <laughs> he just loves Aidan McGeady, you know, those times he... And, and Aidan McGeady brought through for him. 120 minute uh, equaliser. Just to, and then they lost the match. Yeah, Portsmouth deserved to... I actually watched the Czech Trade final. You know, not not just because... Well, probably just because of Thomas Mounier. Yeah, and it went the only reason time, to watch it. And it was terrible in some ways. And then Portsmouth also scored a fantastic goal to make it 2-1 the 115th minute. And it looked like, oh, they're going to win it. And then Aidan McGeady with the most scuffed of a goal... He he checked in on the defender who should have just not dived in the box because that's why you're in League One because you give away penalties if you dive in the box. And Aidan McGeady, if he kept running, would have just won a penalty in the 120th minute instead of just scoring. And uh, then he just scuffed one in. And then, of course, Sunderland missed penalties. Lee Catterall. Yeah, Lee Catterall, the captain of Sunderland, missed them. No, he's not anymore. He's not the captain anymore. No, they gave it to your man if you're familiar with Sunderland. I, I never watched it, you see. The Honeyman, the young kid from... He's now captain, I presume, because of Sunderland till I die. <laughs> because he was like, oh, he loves the club. He's like one... Um, he's Colin's best friend, your, your favourite goalkeeper. Jordan Pickford? Jordan Pickford's best friend. Because Jordan Pickford is in Sunderland till I die just talking about him. That's the only reason he's in the documentary. Weird. Yeah. So, because uh, he was always this guy who everything, he tries so hard and then everything he do wouldn't work out. <laughs> That's like, the oh. Sunderland way. Yeah. Meanwhile, he would be the best player in the team, which he still is because they're League One, but he was even in the championship. And then everything he does doesn't matter because he's just Aidan McGeady. And like he did for Ireland against Georgia. I was just going to bring that up. He, he can pull up these sublime <laughs> moments in terrible teams, but then put him in a functioning team and it just falls apart for him. Good news though for Portsmouth, they're reversing back up the Poppy Highway after several years in League Two. Well, both are, both are like they're at the level. Both are big teams; they're too big for their level. Hence, they filled out Wembley. Well, like Portsmouth, uh, Port- this is actually quite an interesting statistic. I know we're being a bit facetious here, but Portsmouth have become the second team who've won the first division to now win the Czechoslovakia Trophy. When did they win the first division? They won the first division like. Post war. Oh, oh yeah, there's something vaguely familiar. About yeah, that. I think they won it twice, um, if not three times. But Southampton never have. I think they won three in a row. I think they're one of the few teams who oh, won no, three not. in a row. Are I they don't not? Think they are. We 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 should check this, but we're not going to. I don't. I I can No, they're not. It's I, like I, Preston, I can look this up. It's still uh, I have it right here. When you look this up, meanwhile. We'll talk about Portsmouth who, and Sunderland who both have limited teams at the moment. The but first team was Wolves, by the way, who had won the first division and won Czech Trade Trophy. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. When did Wolves win the Czech Trade Trophy? 
Yeah, well, they were in League One not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Portsmouth were back to back 48 49 and 49 50. They're now in it three times. Yeah, because I think it's only. I knew they retained it at some it's point. It's only. I, definitely Arsenal have done it in the 30s. Definitely Manchester United have done it twice. Huddersfield. Huddersfield did it before. They were the first team. Yeah, to do they it. were. They did it under Herbert Chapman, I think, yeah. as well. I don't know who the Liverpool obviously I think yeah I think they're the only the teams did Everton never did it no Everton never Villa. done it no the only ones you can think of maybe Aston Villa or Preston but I don't think they managed they did I two don't think Preston did three back in the 19th century but yeah yeah, um, yeah but uh, Portsmouth they're on, they're on their way back up well not through the Checker Trade Trophy but they're no, they're in the playoffs really they're one. in the playoffs like last season and uh, Sunderland are there thereabouts as well but I wanted to say about both teams and any fans from Sunderland until I die uh they're both, you know, punching at their desired level at the moment. They are not playing expansive, glorious football. Anyone, any, remove those illusions immediately. They're not on their way marching back to the Premier League. They're not Marco Bielsa. Well, uh, Portsmouth do have a pretty good owner in Bob Eisner, former CEO of Disney. Yeah, I know. And he was there in the... Uh, Michael Eisner... And they were, <laughs> he was like there surrounded by his friends and family, like he was like the local guy who sold cars and had bought his his beloved club, or even uh, Walker, Jack Walker, who owned Blackburn Rovers and brought him to re- like a billionaire Jack Walker who brought the Premier League to Blackburn. Even him had more, he had more in common. <laughs> Bob Eisner's just a random American, people. yeah, he's like a Disney, like, like, oh, it's weird, but yeah, um, I think, I think if either of these teams get up, there will be a sea change at the clubs again. Because <laughs> you'd not. imagine Portsmouth or Sunderland would be able to spend if they go up to the championship. Well, Portsmouth is more presumably payments coming from the Premier League, so they they should still have money for a while. Yeah, but um, if both get into the Premier into the championship, I expect them to be back in the Premier League within five years of promotion. Yeah, I wouldn't say both will go up this season, but I can see no, both of them go up within think. the next two or three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of Huddersfield, uh, they're. Doomed to relegation, confirmed. Already, they got it in just in time, just in March. Uh, a record equaling speed, really. Uh, it's actually they did it the same number of days that Derby County did it, even though Derby season well, so started not worse earlier. Teams like Carlisle and well, Derby had the, the least times. amount of points. Yeah, but Sunderland were very bad. Sunderland got fifteen under Mick McCarthy. Yeah, so well, Huddersfield. In, in fairness to Mick McCarthy, he came in right at the end of that. <laughs> okay, I'm not too well versed like, in that just, season. Yeah, he basically just Howard Wilkinson, oh, the Leeds yeah, United yeah. boss, had them earlier in the season, and then I think Mick took charge in March or April. Yeah, I just I don't think Mick they were confirmed there. to relegate it when he mathematically when he took over. Yeah, but uh, but he it was said close. But Mick came in in his classic Mick McCarthy way and said. We're going down, <laughs> you know. There's no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saving under no illusions. But he got them up the following season. I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and then he got them relegated immediately. Yeah, again. and then Roy Keane stepped in. Yeah. yeah, After the first five games of the championship of 0607. Uh but Huddersfield down. You know they did well to stay up that first season. They deserve to go down this year. At least they beat Derby's points record. Yeah, I feel like we should take a minute to remember that Derby County side. Billy, <laughs> they got 12 points, four of those against Newcastle. What's the name of the, the Scottish manager again? Billy, Billy Davis. Billy Davis. They had Paul Jewell as well. Oh yeah, Paul Jewell was going to come in and he was going to change everything for Derby. Bring them up next year and next year is still next There's year. Frank Lampard now. Yeah, Frank Lampard. They've been in the there. championship ever since. Yeah. Robbie well, Savage was there for... Was it, was it? They've never recovered from losing Brian Clough. No, <laughs> that's that's really it. Like the you know the the Pride Park favor. Like you used to have the coolest name for a football ground in England, the baseball grounds, the baseball stadium. That used to be Der- Derby's home stadium. Why was that the coolest? Because it's you know they're baseball. playing they're playing football slash soccer and baseball. 
stadium yeah, okay. in Derby. Now it's like, what, it's probably Pride Park. Park yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a new stadium was Pride Park in the nineties, late nineties. Um, Huddersfield, you'd imagine, will like they've been planning for the What's championship. What's the manager? Jan Sievert. Okay, you remember. Yeah. No one else sees her. I can't remember uh, I think, that guy. Yeah, I think it was. Oh uh, yeah, they got a new manager. You always keep forgetting. Like even before Wagner got sacked this year, you know, you never saw him. You never heard about. Him. Remember when? Even last uh, year, you didn't hear much from him. But they were they're you know treading water last season. Yeah, they got like they beat Man United last season. Yeah. Like they got very good results. But they were treading water from majority season that peppered in with these good results that were unexpected. And they just did enough to get through because, in fairness, the teams that finished below them were worse. Uh, they, their best results this season have been against Wolves, bizarrely. They got six points against Wolves this yeah. season. <laughs> She's kind of a black mark on Nuno, Super Nuno. Yeah, Nuno Espiro Sante. Um, yeah, but that Huddersfield, like, I read, I've been reading articles that they're, oh, they're preparing, they're doing the West Brom thing that West Brom did in the mid-2000s, where they kept going down. They kept going back up. Yeah, and then they'd eventually grow into a established Premier League side until they eventually collapse like last season. When are they bringing in Tony Mowbray? Oh, Tony Pulis might be the other Tony. He might be might be longer. He'd be more likely, I think, to come in because, yeah. Well, to be fair, like they, they brought in a, a progressive choice of managers opposed to going for a Big Sam type. No, yeah, and he will work them within their... Um, means. Yeah, and... That's what they need to do in a club like. Do you see uh, any players staying in the Premier oh, League? Yeah. Oh, staying in the Premier League. Sorry, I was like, I was just saying at the Huddersfield. I was like, yeah, most of them. I think was staying. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it like Aaron Moy. Yeah, where does Aaron Moy go though? Like Brighton? just a Palace or Brighton? <laughs> yeah, some club like that probably. Or Newcastle or, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Newcastle. That that sounds like free transfer to Newcastle sounds about right. I mean, him and John Joe Shelby should be on the same team. Yeah, come on, just for confusion matters. <laughs> The keeper accidentally hit, what about, like, hit the uh, long balls up to Aaron Moy instead of John Joe. Uh, what about like the Lossel, the keeper, or no. Uh, no, Ince's he, son, or nephew, Tom Ince? Tom Ince, Tom Ince. Ince. Uh, yeah, like he could be signed, but I'd imagine he'd go to a different championship club if anything. Could just go to Cardiff again. Yeah, they, Cardiff. yeah, yeah, but, well, Cardiff also. Yeah. <laughs> we might as well move on to that. Cardiff against Chelsea. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the top four race and Cardiff. One of the worst, Matt. Like, I try actually to actively avoid watching Cardiff this season because I know it'll be bad. But Harry Arthur, like, but, what a player he is. Yeah, I do goals. like Harry Arthur. But this is probably only the third or fourth time I've seen them. It's dreadful. One of the worst matches of the season I've watched. And ha- Chelsea were not much better. They did. I actually missed the goal. something that Cardiff don't do that often. I, I, I missed the start of the second half, so I missed the goal, yeah. which is disappointing. Well, it wasn't that much of a goal. <laughs> it was a okay finish. It was Chelsea just not being on the ball. But yeah, Chelsea dreadful again. Higuain can't even score against Cardiff. He can only score against the bottom two clubs. Can't even get one in against the bottom third. Yeah, Higuain is flattered to deceive since, he, since he's, he's really... He's got three goals. Taken hold, but I don't know if like... It's so hard to judge him because the team is so badly malfunctioning. We've spoken but like he was brought Chelsea. in because he's he's supposed to fit the system. He's going to yeah, get the best the, out of Hazard. Like I said to you earlier, like it's 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 as if there's something wrong at Chelsea. <laughs> that maybe Conte was right. Maybe Mourinho was right. Maybe Ancelotti was right. Maybe Andres Villas-Boas was right. Maybe Rafa Benitez was right. Maybe Roberto Di Matteo. Yeah, when he got sacked as as manager, like maybe, like. All of these like kind of performances that are below par that you know Chelsea you know they've got good players they should be better playing better than this they won the what league is, title two years yeah, ago what is the manager doing wrong that's resulting in them not playing well and like well maybe it's a kind of cultural attitude at the club where that's what happens when you mess maybe get a team of mercenaries together that don't really care 
that will work for a certain amount of time because it's in their favor to work. They'll want to win something or it's, you know, they'll get paid or they might be looking for that next big move. And maybe if that motivation runs out, there's nothing left for them. Because they come in under Sari and it's, Sari wants you to do a lot of work and to change your play. It's as if he's saying, you take your their your Premier League medals or your FA Cup medal or whatever you want and you throw it in the bin for all he cares because now it's starting year zero. Was that what Brian Clough said at Leeds? Well, he, did, he said a lot more colourful language and a lot more uh, One or two expletives. Yeah, much more articulate than me. But the, the that's kind of what he went in to do and you saw it early on. It was like, okay, we'll get on board with this. We're playing fantasy football. We're playing like really fancy football passes. Sarri ball is it? Sarri ball, like everyone's going through Jorginho. It. We're breaking records for passing in the league. Blah, blah, blah. This is what Pep does. This is what Pep does to win league titles. This is what, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid were doing as well. This is what happened in, you know, at the forefront of football tactics. And then all a couple of bad results. And then everyone is on you. It's like, why don't you just play the way you played last year or the year before and win the league and win matches dirty and win matches tough. And then the Chelsea players are like, yeah, why don't we do that? And like, what do I care? I'm leaving next year anyway. What do I care? I'm leaving next year anyway. He's leaving. Murad is gone. This player is gone. This player is coming in. We're going to have a transfer ban. The whole thing is hopeless. And maybe morale just hit a new low. The way it has in previous years under previous coaches. And now it's just... It's not Sarri's fault. It wasn't Conte's fault. It wasn't every other manager that's been sacked in the last 10 years' fault. Well, Maybe there's something inherently wrong with <laughs> gathering a bunch of players together who don't really want to play for the club. Who, who Who's cho- first choice? Like... Not to be down on Chelsea fans, and Chelsea fans can come in and tell me whether I'm being wrong on this or not. Well, I was, I was speaking to Matthias uh, of this parish, the yes. resident Chelsea fan of this podcast. Who goes to Chelsea out of choice from, you know, of their big pool? Of the top six. No, but of their big pool of signing players. Like, when are they ever linked first with a player? Like, this is why they're trying to buy them young and they've gotten in trouble. They're trying to build, foster some kind of encouragement from a young age. And then they get players who wanted to play for Chelsea, Romelu Lukaku, and then they just offload them as soon as possible. Like even with like this was this match really kind of made me wonder about the reports that were midweek because like the reports midweek were that Chelsea were hopeful uh, Callum Hudson Odoi will sign a new contract but why would he? He, he started for England midweek. Yeah, he's his first England start in a competitive match before at Chelsea, at Chelsea yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. He's on the bench then, even though Hazard's been rested. Like imagine they rest Hazard first what? of all, which is a weird decision. Why? And then they don't even play Hudson Odoi in place of him. And then when the goal gets tough and they're one 0 down, they bring on Hazard. Fair enough, you bring on Hazard. But they don't bring on Hudson Odoi at all either. Like nope. he ends up or on the striker. bench. Yeah, like like they did bring on Giroud, I think. But like, yeah, but not when they were like they brought him on to win, not with to, not when they could have like generated something to win the game themselves. They like, didn't start him. Like I've seen a lot of Chelsea fans ask why Giroud isn't starting more, but then all the others starting for France. He's, he is starting for France, World Cup winner. Yeah, and Mbappe. But the other thing as well is like Giroud does not bring the best out of Hazard. Hazard has yet to score in the league this season while Giroud's on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like that statistic was going around a lot at the start has of the season. Hazard yet to score a lot of times this season. Yeah, like but still Hazard is someone dragging them out yeah. of the Aiden McGeady of Belgium. Some, yeah. some have called him. Yeah, the Belgian Aiden McGeady. Yes. That's what we'll forever call him now. Yeah. Uh, like, he's still clearly Chelsea's best player. And, like, he's not even having his best season. Like, he, like... No, but he's not having his worst season years. either. Yeah, obviously, the 16, 17 Mourinho yeah. season, he was dreadful. Yeah. But this year, like, he's he's had kind of an average Hazard season. Like, he's had some really good performances, but also plenty of really poor performances where he's just anonymous. Uh, like, that's happened in big games as well. I feel like that happened against Arsenal at the Emirates recently. Yeah. happened against... Uh, Man United when Mourinho was still in charge during the FA Cup yeah. uh, more recently like he's but again 
the thing is with Hazard, like, he's out the door. Mm. And then, like, this transfer ban is over them. Like, maybe they hold on to Hazard for a season. But then he goes on a free. Yeah. And next season, they're not going to get the best out of Hazard, knowing he's going on a free yeah. to maybe Real Madrid, maybe someone else by then. Maybe another, yeah. It could well be one of the Could opposition. be going to Bayern Munich. Could be going point. to somewhere else in the Premier League. Because, like, yeah. you know, I'm... the. For me, I still don't believe in Eden Hazard as this world class player that everyone else. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a Galactico in the way. Well, it's just that I don't know whether he, like he, his his system of dribbling and rolling the ball over his foot and then going past the player. Maybe in Spain or Italy or even Germany, players might stand off a bit more and like, okay, let do a little roll trick. But then again, Arjen Robin. Yeah, Arjen Robin's proven one trick pony can do very well. <laughs> Could be world class. Yeah. for years. Uh, see, it's it's a bit weird what's going on with Chelsea, but it's just as weird what's going on. But he's not been sacked as well, which is the other thing. I think he'll survive to the it's, end of the season. Yeah, well, well that would be pro- progression for Chelsea because... As well, we Conte just, managed it. Yeah, well, that was... But then they, they were just waiting for him to get rid of But like, if... Will Sarri be taking the first week of training next season before being sacked? Possibly, possibly. It's just, it's just bizarre because he doesn't seem happy. The players don't seem happy. I don't think it's Sarri's fault the at all. The fans certainly are oh, happy. Yeah, like, the, yeah. look at... Like I've never seen a like a, a match going fan base turn on a manager like this before. Like the stuff that they're yelling at Sari. Yeah. And about Sari Ball Sarri as well. Sari out. Yeah. Um yeah, follow the Sari out hashtag on Twitter for it some, is, yeah, there's for a lot doors. of really good stuff yeah. on there. But yeah, uh, but like I don't feel it's not Sari. Like that's what you just said. Like this has happened. If it was a one off thing, you're like, Oh I mean, he's lost the dressing room, it's it's an untenable position. With the transfer ban coming, he has to work with the players that are there. And you have to get rid of him as a result of that. But then you're looking like at the last 10 years, as we said, and like this happens every single time. So it isn't the manager's fault, necessarily. It is something inherent with the club, with the players, because a lot of the players aren't there from 10 years ago. Like, I can't think of... I can't think of any that were there yeah, 10 years they've ago. they've got rid of Ivanovic was the last bastion, probably the last probably, one that was left. Yeah. So they're all gone now, and yet that mentality seems to persist. And you have players talking out of turn on social media, like Willian or... Has done for different managers. Andreas Christensen's father. Yeah, well, that, well, yeah, well, that can happen if you don't get played. But like, and the complete lack of you know seemingly authority he has, which can be you know Kepa in the, in the Caribou Cup final not being not coming off when he's been told. Like to that was off. really pathetic. But the rest of the players not really caring either, and like other you know, players have, like blocking other players from getting at the manager, like Rudiger did in that in, after that match. And you're like, what? What's going on there? What's the attitude that's there? Like Rudiger's only there two years. Kep is there only this year. Six and months. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's as if, like, when they get there, it can't be the club just getting there and you you turn into this kind of weird, obnoxious, arrogant person. But maybe it's the type of player they're signing that are weird, arrogant. But like, per people, is it coincidence um, that they just keep signing, keep signing these rebels? Them. But they're not like rebels would be a strong word for them. Annoying would be a more uh, yeah, word or disloyal. Probably. Yeah, because you, you know you don't see even at Manchester United in their darkest days under Mourinho, there were still players towing the company line and doing what they had to do and like, for the benefit of themselves and the greater club. You can see those players were still playing for pride though. Like look yeah. at the Newcastle match where they were two 0 down and came back and won yeah. three two. Like, they didn't do that for like Mourinho. Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. They did that for themselves. And like you, you look at the Chelsea players, if they were two 0 down against Newcastle, you say that that was it. Yeah. You would like it was amazing today. It kind of came down to different reasons today why well, Cardiff were put into the Neil Warnock was furious after the match. Craig Pawson had one of the worst performances. That well, I've you seen said in a it while. earlier. Craig Pawson routinely gets decisions wrong. Big decisions. Like, can you name some of them from memory? Well, like I always think back to the the two all draw or was a two one win for Man United against Crystal Palace 
when Mourinho was still there, when there were about five huge game-changing decisions and he got each one wrong yeah. in a way that that match finished 2-1 but could have been literally any scoreline. <laughs> like, there was... Two players should have been sent off that weren't. Penalties was given that weren't. Goals were allowed that shouldn't have been allowed. Yeah. It was absurd. Like, and he gets big decisions wrong nearly every time. And how is he, like, still... He must know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the thing is with Craig Pawson, if you put him against, like, say, Newcastle Bournemouth, he'll do a good job, Newcastle Bournemouth. That match will go along. It's, it's the pressure. The There'll be no big decisions in that match. It'll yeah. be fine. He'll get nearly every decision right, except maybe the odd 50-50. Yeah. But... When he does a big match and big decisions are called, like there was at one point Rudiger's pulling at a Cardiff player, I can't remember who it was, in the box. Like, it's a penalty. Like, it's not a clear penalty in the way that, like, someone's kicked a player in the yeah. face is a clear penalty. But, like, he's pulled Rud- a player who's trying to head the ball down. That's a penalty. Rudiger also should have been sent off for clearly denying a goal scoring opportunity at one all. Yeah. Uh, the Cesar Aspilicueta's goal was a yard offside. <laughs> like,. Like I know that's it's not necessarily on Paulson. Yeah, it's a yeah. team. It's a team effort that one. So like, it's just another one of those matches where. You're left but then they close up shop, and then you never hear why any of these decisions didn't go one way or the other. There's, the referees don't have to explain themselves, or n- not even explain themselves. They don't even have to. They don't come under any further scrutiny, really, unless they get something tremendously wrong. Like this will be forgotten about in a week. Probably, like he's not going to get to except for the Neil championship. Warnock. Yeah, except for Neil Warnock and all the people in Cardiff. But he's not going to get demoted to the championship for next week's fixtures or anything like that. He's going to be back either doing top class FA Cup he'll or league Newcastle, games. He'll be doing which the I think actually happens next week. Yeah, he'll They're be doing a midweek game either as a fourth official or as a as a first official. Like that's and yeah, it's kind of disappointing in that way. And like for all our talk and everything, like Cardiff probably they're what five points now. Yeah, that's probably them down. with a game which I think. I think they've all played the same amount of games yeah. down there. Newcastle is the only team that have a game in hand and they're playing Arsenal tomorrow night yeah, at Brighton, the time recording. Um, yeah, so you're like, poor. Cardiff in some ways, like they've been terrible for the league and, and Neil Warnock's been terrible and we don't even But like they have them. obviously as well, they've had tragedy consume the yeah, club as well. as well and that, that's been unfortunate for them and all the players and all the staff and all the fans of the club have, have had a rough season one way or the other having Neil Warnock as a manager and yet let, let alone all that other stuff that's gone off off the field and how they're going to cope with it next year when they go back to the championship because Neil Warnock's off I think one way or the other I think this he wouldn't have been Premier League manager if they stay up next year he would have probably Yeah I could see him retiring especially yeah. after what happened with the If he kept them up that would be the biggest achievement of his career and since considering he got the whole season to do it as well which he doesn't normally get when he gets into the Premier League. Sheffield United, I think, with the last full season he had. Yeah, and he got relegated. Yeah, them. and then they sued West Ham. Yeah. which And they won. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did win. They won suit. money for that. They won money because West Ham had Tevez and Marciano and they didn't actually own them. They were uh, that agent who's still going. I think he owns a bit of Leeds United now. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, is he at Leeds now? I think he... he owned, yeah, he. I remember he was recently interviewed relating to players at Leeds. So uh, I forget the name of the agent. But Good old Leeds. He owned Mascherano and Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez, which is a terrible thing to say. Someone owned someone else, but that's, that's a, just the nature of sport. Yeah, that's that's a that's a story that's for a another day. Yeah, wormhole are opening up there. But uh, another disappointing defeat as well for Tottenham, who haven't won a league game since the tenth of February. Yeah, like they've beaten Dortmund in the interim in the in the Champions League, but yeah, they've been pretty poor in the league and deserving of each of these defeats. Like they they didn't show much against. Uh, Liverpool. Liverpool at all during most of the match they were they did equalise they did equalise and it was a, a good if not fl- completely fluky goal I think it was well it was a good ball by Harry Kane to Harry, Trippier 
Yeah, and then I think he crossed to Son, and then Son, or is it Ericsson no, in the box? No, I think it was Ericsson. Ericsson in the box, who point. completely mishit a shot sideways to give it to a, an open Lucas Moore to tap it in. Yeah. So it was a very fortuitous goal, considering they had not still cre- well worked. Yeah, they hadn't created much in the match, and they hadn't shown much, and Liverpool had wasted chances. Mo Salah, again, goes scoreless, despite becoming very close to scoring a goal. Yeah, you could almost claim the winner. Yeah. But instead, Hugo Lloris just threw it in, basically. Well, I don't think he threw it in. <laughs> he dropped it in. Yeah, he, he should have held... Basically, a shot came in from... Mo Salah. Mo Salah to, I don't even know if it was a shot, more of a... I think it, no, square it, was go, it was going in, anyway. Yeah, yeah a bit of power behind it. So, uh, Lloris decides not to catch it, or not to try and claim it. Or at he, least fails to. Yeah, well, I think... No, I think that was complete... You watch, you watch the way... that was a conscious decision. Yeah, he tries to palm that out, thinking it'll go... It'll go somewhere like else. Like Alderweireld standing like not even a hair yeah, away from him. Yeah, he wasn't aware of his positioning around. Like who like was that's around poor. Then. And then poor Alderweireld, who then just kind of he's a sitting duck. Yeah, there. like it looks really bad in slow motion because it looks like he's meaning to get to yeah, just complete calamity. <laughs> yeah, in just runs the ball into the Put net. Benny Hill in, line yeah, in 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 real time, it was like nothing uh, Alderweireld could do. And then you know that was it. Like uh, what you call him, uh, Musa Sissoko had a chance which he skied over right the before the winner as well. Yeah. But other than that, like Liverpool were on top for the majority of it. There weren't that many clear-cut chances, but most of them did go to Liverpool. Then it was poor finishing from Liverpool and poor decision-making. A couple of times went through the one Aldon on the right-hand side. And it, there was a couple of times when he could have passed the ball to somebody and ended up just like kicking it against someone for a corner. It's like, why do you keep doing this? It's so underwhelming when you watch Liverpool and they like have a really nice uh, passage of play yeah. and then the ball gets to the edge of the box, like a player in a lot of space. And it's Jorginho Wijnaldum. Yeah. Or like, like James Milner as well has often been in that position. And yeah. Like no offence to James Milner or Wijnaldum but they're not the player you want at the end of the final ball. Like that's the problem with kind of having It's like this. you're expecting Mo Salah to be the one yeah. on the ball and said he's in the box somewhere. But that's the problem with having this kind of fluid formation where you have your you don't have a recognised centre forward despite Firmino playing as a like as a number nine scored a header today. As header. a number nine, and yeah, and he had an actual couple of other headers as well, which weren't bad as well, which is strange for Firmino to be heading the ball the way he is. But the problem with that is they come very deep to create that space for runners to go around, and those runners are invariably because Jordan Henderson's not going to be running for it, so it's either going to be one of the fullbacks, in which case you're going to have to run back into the box very quickly. And today, the way Spurs played with a kind of lopsided back three. They pushed the full-backs back. Trent Alexander-Arnold was pushed back significantly by Danny Rose. And then on the right-hand side, they kind of they doubled up their midfielders on uh, Andrew Robertson to, despite him getting an assist for the goal, they, they it kind of neutralised him in the second half. So that left the only space there was for the likes of Van Aldum and Milner to, to run into on that right-hand side. And they, time after time, kind of wasted it. Yeah, like as well, like looking at the starting 11 compared to the bench then, like on the bench they got someone like Kaito of Fabinho, like Shakiri, and then you look at the midfield that they actually play and it's Jordan Henderson, Wijnaldum. Yeah, it's much more functional than you, and you, it's less exciting, but it's it did work again. Like you have to give them, they weren't that impressive. They probably were played about as well as they did against Manchester United in the draw earlier on, uh, like back in February at this stage. And but they got the result against Spurs, and you know it keeps them on. They're ahead now of Man City on top of the league, but Man City play midweek. On Wednesday, yeah. And you'd expect Man City to win midweek and to go go back on top. So like they had to win against Spurs today. Like we yeah, and it's, about, it's their biggest game left as well. Yeah, really. Say. Like on paper, it's the hardest game they've left. Obviously, they they have to play Chelsea later this season. But I would still say Tottenham, despite both teams being a terrible form. Yeah, I'd still say Tottenham. Well, Tottenham were in, the fixture. Were what are they in fourth at the moment? Uh, Tottenham were in 
Third is still the third. Yeah, on goal difference. On goal difference over Manchester United. So, but you'd assume it would go to fourth on Monday night. After yeah, the if, Arsenal if, match. if Arsenal, yeah, if Arsenal get a draw or win, they probably leapfrog. Uh, or I don't think they would if they got a draw. Uh, they'd be level on goal difference. It'll be goal scored, which I think Arsenal, well, Arsenal more would of. go. Yeah, Arsenal do have more than Spurs score. So yeah, a, a draw or a win for Arsenal will see Spurs drop out of the top four, and you're like, or Spurs drop to fourth. Yeah, least. May nine will go fifth. Yeah, um, so. It's it's not looking good for Spurs because they still have Man City to come, and they don't look like they're resting this form anytime soon. Like three games against Man City in a week is going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as well because like we've seen new manager bounces, but will we see a new stadium bounce? Yeah, that's the bit we haven't talked about as well. Like uh, White Hart Lane hosted its first real match, which was a legends match between. Uh, Spurs and who on earth were they it playing? It was Inter Milan. Inter Milan to try and bring back the Such old Such a members. random match. Yeah, well, they, Spurs still put out a relatively strong side. Like yeah, some, well, a uh, striking force of Jurgen Klinsmann and Robbie yeah. Keane. Like, what happened? He's six-year-old Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. How, how old is he now? Like, at least 50-something. Yeah, he's in his 50s. Yeah, so that was a bizarre choice for up front. But Robbie Keane managed to score a goal. Got a great finish. Spurs are bad. Like, looking at the stadium, it looks kind of... It lo- I like the look of it. It reminds me of the, like, the, the stadium 2002 in Japan, which is... It's it's a bit of a while ago now, but it it went for a different a different kind of look from like the Emirates, the Bowls Stadia that that tend to dominate new stadiums uh, in the world of football. So it's got this weird net meshing thing above the tiers of the stand, oh, and then it wraps around. It's kind of the roof, <coughs> that acts as the roof, and then they've have the little uh, what's the the thing that White Hart Lane the the little um sculpture that was always on top of White Hart oh, Lane. Yeah, yeah. Is still there of the bird, yeah, of the spur, cockerel, whatever the, the thing is. Sure we really should know that. Maybe it's something to do with hotspur. What's a hotspur? I, I don't know. I, I've never looked into the history of the name of Tottenham Hotspur. That's the history of the, the Tottenham. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, so that's there. It looks interesting. I think it looks cooler from the outside because it has all that weird Alan Serena type of stuff. Well, I've seen outside. a lot of Arsenal fans compared to a toilet bowl. Well, that due to its shape, it kind of does look at that because they built because Old White Hart Lane was very much top heavy. It was built up one sand and the other sand was more shallow, and now they've kind of even that out. Even that out, but with mesh, so it kind of looks like it's a big ring, like a, a a horseshoe type of shape in it. And I don't know about it. It seems like a lot of money to be spent for effectively having the same stadium with a nicer upper area and nicer corporate facilities yeah they've got a cheese room now yeah like a billion pounds and the the, the absolute like mess it's caused but Tottenham like they could have won a league title if they had invested wisely last season or this season or the season before that <laughs> or the season before that but instead they signed only a few players spent very little so we're still spending the Gareth Bale money for the majority of the things have kept their player wages very low, which has led to kind of disharmony in the dressing room at times. It's Hence, cost them Kyle Walker. Cost them Kyle Walker. It cost them Danny Rose for a good while as well because he'd fallen out with them. Potentially going to lose them Toby Alderweireld. Yeah, it could lose them a lot of players in the, in the longer run. It stopped a lot of players from going to Spurs because they simply just don't pay the same as other teams do. And you're looking at all that's because of this stadium. And in the era where you, you made the point before we went on that the you know, match day revenue, while important... While, like, say, we, we gave, I think we talked about Juventus against Atletico a few weeks ago, that in Italy they give out full stats of what money was made in the day and a not full, not quite full due to UEFA restrictions. Uh, Allianz Stadium, J Stadium, whatever you're calling it, Juventus' home ground, of 40-something thousand, early 42,000. I think it was 39,000 was the attendance. Something like that spit out, get, created 4 million euro worth of revenue on one match day for, for Juventus. And then, like, Spurs have been missing out on that for over 
like how long now? A year and a half. Year and a half. Two years. Yeah, nearly two years of missing out on that, like not quite that much money because, you know, I'm sure you've entered to maximise that money very well. But they're in London. They can charge a high price, a high premium for, for Premier League tickets. And they could be could have lost that much money for that long. But going ahead, what are they going to gain? Like what's the marginal gain of this massive investment in the stadium? Like a, a million, two million like that would be very ambitious they gain 2 million per, per match day they're not going to be gaining that much like, like t- paying... ticket prices have gone up as well compared to what they were before and yeah. the way that Arsenal did with Highbridge Emirates yeah and like that capacity didn't... is slightly more than the Emirates I think that was a goal for Tottenham for yeah but reason. I think Arsenal are just going to add to the yeah probably the I think there is room there to build with the Emirates yeah they can just add in more like add in another tier somewhere around the ring or something just make the seats a bit smaller that's all they'll do and they'll get an extra couple of thousand in there because uh, Arsenal's like the, the space in Arsenal Stadium in the Emirates is very comfy like there's a lot of room yeah there, there is yeah, yeah. so maybe they'll squeeze some more in there to try and get some standing ground but like we'll see how it aff- affects the atmosphere in there as well because you know White Hart Lane used to be a fairly raucous atmosphere at times uh, they've, they have built it with uh, audio acoustics, from the yeah. acoustics uh, in mind so it'll be interesting for concerts see... of course not for actual football yeah it'll be interesting to see how that affects the atmosphere because like even at the London Stadium at West Ham the atmosphere oh. Has struggled there it's because the it's an years. open exactly. athletics ground, and even with the you know the roof, and they're so far away from the pitch yeah. as well. And even yeah, even bring them in with extra tiers, and having like the design of the the roof over the fans being a bit more you know audio intensive. It still hasn't had West Ham, and I don't see them ever really gaining that in its current. Yeah, design. they've only had a few matches where I thought, wow, that was a really lively big crowd. Yeah, like even Arsenal has failed. Like bar, there's only been a few times the last five to ten years and most of them are against Tottenham really yeah that you get a really good a really good atmosphere and it's coming back more because but they had to do a lot of work they had to rename the, the stands they had to uh, kind of introduce did they bring in a singing section no, not not in the, what happened was fan groups wanted them yeah as in they wanted like where can we arrange season tickets to be in certain areas and they did that they facilitated that so you'd have more of the so called um, how would you say it? they had more of the loud Consistent. singing fans in one area so they could start everything off and it's a very slow process for us and I think they're they're still a good way away probably whenever they switch the naming rights or they do a bit of redevelopment on it which is a terrible thing to say that you know the atmosphere will become better but uh, Spurs you you worry about it was it all worth it in the end yeah that's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see that going forward because Obviously, you know, the season's nearly over, but they'll be in it next season, obviously. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, in, in, in five years' time, you and Spurs look back, and if they don't haven't won trophies in five years' time, and if the... And Pochett- the squad's picked apart. Yeah, which it will be. Gone. Yeah, and if they haven't, you know, built onto this, you know, this foundation's Pochettino's put in place over the last five years, and through the stadium built, what was the point? Like, they, they've thought, like, not to bring back Kevin Kilban into everything, but Kevin Kilban saying, you know... He survived relegation several times at Wigan, and the year they won the FA Cup, they got relegated. And who, which would he prefer to be in? And he said the team that got relegated and won the FA Cup because that was what everyone wants. They want to win. They want the memories. They want the history. And Spurs, which you've heard, the team that finished second to Leicester, or the team that won something. On Thursday afternoon, it was confirmed by Manchester United that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been appointed permanent manager of the club on a three-year contract. 
but the first performance of this permanent reign left a lot to be desired. This is a squad that is playing Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Nemanja Manic, Ashley Young, and are expected to compete against Barcelona in the next few, few weeks, to compete against Manchester City and Liverpool for the title next season. Where does Solskjaer go from here? Much like with Zidane at Real Madrid, what does the Norwegian need to change this summer so that his squad can compete at the very top? Well, there is... You see, Louis van Gaal, we, we didn't really speak about Louis van Gaal in the news thing, but he came. He had a very interesting uh, interview. interview with BBC with the BBC website, sports website last week where he talked about his time at Manchester United, how everything went down. And one thing he brought up that was very interesting was when he came in, he, he did say some negative things about Solskjaer, which I don't know if we need to go into right now. But one of the interesting things he said that was kind of, in general, was when he came in, there was a 30-man squad at Manchester United. He got it down to 23. By and that included signing players. So he got rid of quite a few players, and he signed some players to fill out that twenty-three man squad. And then he had the U team to call on when he wanted, and he was going to promote two players from the U team. That was always his plan. Solskjaer is going to be in a, I think, has to be in a similar predicament because he has two managers, three managers really, but because Mata is still there, three managers worth of signings that don't really comply with his style of playing football. Like when he was at Cardiff, when he was at Molda, he played a very functional, very simple counter-attacking side of football, which is very good when it works and can be bad when it doesn't work. He plays, you know, fast players up front, play quick balls to them, get the ball quickly and get the ball out to them. A very efficient form of football. And he trusts a lot in his players. In this current Manchester United squad, there's a lot of players who one can't play that fast. And I'm looking at kind of high-profile players in the scene, like Romelu Lukaku, like um, Phil Jones, like Chris Smalling coming out from the back. The likes of Andrew Herrera and Nemanja Matic can't play that side of football effectively, I don't think. Not in a way that's going to win your trophies at the end of it, which is the goal for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United next season. So I think there will have to be significant changes made in personnel to, you know allow Solskjaer to play to the desired side of football he wants to play and I made the prediction when he first got appointed that you know he's going to do well he'll get the job permanently and he's going to crash and burn and I still think that might happen next season oh it definitely could like uh, it wouldn't shock me if in 12 months he wasn't there yeah the the ironic thing is though when you sack him you bring him back in as interim manager yeah you do that's all you have to do uh, it's Chanel it's like feeling yeah <laughs> like he, he'll, he'll stay at the club apparently uh, Mike more than a feeling yeah why wouldn't he well, he's was, at home there. There was uh, worries, I think, that he'd just retire. Oh, really? He's yeah. not that old. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's, he does uh, non-league stuff as well, mm-hmm. with, like uh, with youth stuff. I don't know. Because he, yeah. he was doing something very random before all of a sudden getting the call, like, come home. Yeah. Like, uh, Phone home. Yeah. <laughs> but like, look at the like the performance against Wat- Watford was poor, but it's, it's yeah. one match in isolation for now. Yeah. So we'll disregard that for a minute, and like the you know international break, players have been injured. Yeah, yeah. But like looking so at Jones the playing for God's sake. Yeah. So look at the starting eleven. Obviously, David Hay, you do your best to keep David Hay despite the contract talks that are going on. At the and moment. Real Madrid is probably looking for a new keeper again. We'll see. Uh, Thibaut Courtois swap. I think uh, Keylor Navas is Dan as a weird loyalty they have to some Navas. Kind of bond. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the fourth Champions League. The G leagues they put together yeah. or something. I don't know. Uh, but then left back Luke Shaw he had a good game good assist for the first goal yeah, I don't you, think you Luke keep Shaw Luke Shaw yeah, and he keeps the English quota as well you have to remember yeah. that uh, Phil Jones Chris Smalling centre back partnership they've signed new contracts you, you can't keep both of them and then play both of them yeah I think they'll be kept players. as squad players I don't think that they really would be 
if both of them are certain next season, you you have a problem on your like hands. Like Man United have five centre backs, I think four. Uh, the yeah. two, Victor Lindelof, who was out because his wife gave birth midweek, and uh, Eric, Eric Bailly and Mark Marcus Rojo came oh, on. Marcus Rojo, who came on yeah. against Watford. Marcus so Rojo's gone. <laughs> you, you get rid of Marcus Rojo, and then yeah, if well, you want to bring more. in. Yeah, you probably bring in one more and ship out maybe Eric yeah. Bailly. I think they look to sign two two centre backs in the summer because I, or a player who could play right back and centre back because the right back is another. Yeah, Ashley Young played right back. Position. He cannot play next season. Yeah, you right have back. Ashley Young. You have yeah, he's played it whole season. Antonio Valencia's probably he's going, out the door. Yeah, he's gone as well. But yeah, isn't he club captain? Yeah, but he's out the door. Yeah, so those those two are are probably gone. So they need a right back. They have your man, the young fella. What's his name? Uh, Dallo. Dallo. Mar- D- Darmian. Is yeah, still... Darmian is still at the club. You'd imagine he's gone at last. Yeah, yeah poor. They spent the last two summers trying to get rid of him. Yeah, so you'd expect him to go like the be like with that case. That's already say two, three centre halves and at least one right back gone. Like maybe they'll have to keep. They'll keep Ash Young. He recently signed a contract yeah, extension. But, and Dallow's not going anywhere. Yeah, but Valencia and... Yeah, Valencia's gone to... I think Inter Milan. He's already agreed a contract oh, really? with Inter Milan. So, yeah. So, they've, yeah, so that's five players potentially they've lost from the defence already. Yeah. <coughs> not counting like, the potential of losing De Gea, which I think they would replace the world-class keeper. I don't think he'll go this summer, but he could go the following yeah. summer. So, that's five down already. And then in midfield... Like, like who, who do they even bring in to replace those players? Like, who can they reasonably bring in a right-back? I think you have to scour the market. I don't think it'll be a, a player we know uh, off the top I have of seen heads. them linked with uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. One of many clubs linked yeah. with him. There, I think it will be entirely that. It'll be, okay, we're going to go to Portugal and we're going to go to Italy and we're going to go to Sampdoria and we're going to go to Benfica. And who's playing well for them? And we're signing them. Uh, then a centre-back they've been linked with like and uh, Toby Alderweireld that's always but I think at this point Toby Alderweireld why would you you'd have to spend an enormous amount of money on him well and he has a release clause of 25 million which is the yeah day, but it's but the wages, wages as well. is what I'm talking about as well uh, also for been, a player that's ageing they'd have to give him a good contract but they've also been linked with like Rafael Varane there's all he's clearly looking for a new contract and they're using Man United yeah. but they're also linked with Milan Skriniar at Inter Milan and uh, Caladu Koulibaly at Napoli yeah everyone's linked to Koulibaly every yeah. summer and he still doesn't leave the club he's 28 like yeah. the year Cohen but that's what if you want to sign a, an established player so I don't know whether Solskjaer wants to do that because Solskjaer had success in Mulder with younger players and maybe there is scope and he seems to so far have been given players a bit of a chance at least more of a chance than Mourinho was uh, from the academy and maybe there is scope there to bring in more of the, the those from the, the academy and kind of Use that to kind of one fill up the quota of of local players of you know, of homegrown players for the you know Premier League and Champions League, and maybe give you know save the club money where they can spend it elsewhere because you know the other <coughs> places in the in the team where they have to spend are probably going to be more expensive than the defence. Well, it's the fact that they've been so heavily linked with the centre back that I think they will get one oh, yeah. even though <coughs> they have uh, your man at Aston Villa. Uh, Twanze, I think he played a few games under Mourinho mm-hmm. uh, who's apparently doing very well at Villa before he got injured so he could come in as a squad player but I I would be surprised if they don't sign a high profile centre back mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that Liverpool did with Van Dijk yeah <coughs> uh, right well, that, back I really don't know what to do you see Van Dijk is being used to explain like oh we'll do a Van Dijk type signing and spend the big money on the, on the guaranteed sure thing guaranteed sure things do not always work look at uh What's guy's name at, at, at Man City? I've just suddenly forgotten. Mangala. Mangala. Otamendi. Otamendi. You know. the like, Stones for a while. 
Yeah, like these big money signings, like Stones is something that's still in progress. I don't. Uh, yeah, he, he he's come good to an extent. Yeah, I still don't think he's the finished article, but he's better than Mangala was, for instance. Oh, definitely better than Eric Bailly was, or Victor Lindelof, or Mustafi at Arsenal. Like there is this kind of thing of buying this established player who's a lot of experience at the top level, and then them just crashing and burning. And I think there's a worry that, especially Manchester United, have a habit of kind of doing that across the world. Yeah, like look at the last, like every centre back they've bought since Ferguson has yeah. retired, even before Ferguson retired, yeah. really. Like they still had Fernando Vidic by then, but they brought in Phil Jones and Chris Smalling and Johnny Evans and players that just. Well, Johnny Evans that would still be at the club, I think, now if he hadn't fallen out with the hierarchy. Well, Van Hal was the one who told him, again, like Johnny Evans hasn't proven much no. that Van Hal was wrong to get rid of him since he's left. No. So, like, the, like, Johnny Evans has found his level, I think, at West Brom yeah. and then later Leicester. And I think he's he's unfortunate that it was him and not Chris Smalling or Phil Jones yeah. that was chosen to be shipped out because it could have easily been any of them the or Danny all Welbeck three of them. Factor. Yeah, Danny Welbeck, who was yeah. shipped out pretty quickly by Van Hal and Hernandez. Yeah. But then, that's the type of work that uh, Solskjaer has to do Oh, as definitely. Well. Like, he let, has to make those uh, choices. He's very friendly, but... He has to... He has to be cutthroat. Yeah, because there's a lot of... not. I don't want to call it dead wood, because it's not dead wood. It just doesn't fit in the finely sculptured piece of furniture that Solskjaer is trying to build. And it, like a lot of the players are on big wages. Like It's a very bloated squad. Like Marcus Rowe is on at least 100 grand a week, and yeah. he's not even featuring. Like He's yeah. got to be shit Romero, like, if we're even talking about players like that, are getting a lot of money and not featuring. At, at the very least, like Romero is playing cup games and is a decent backup to Davide. Yeah, but so not as bad as Marcus Rowe, who disappears but for Lee, nine months. Lee, what should we call him? Lee, Lee Grant. Lee Grant is there. Like, what about him? He is 40 years old. So he's a great player. He definitely... Fulham yeah, legend. Did lose to... Uh, Derby County he did uh, in that penalty shootout but then let's look at the midfield they started Emmanuel Manich and Herrera Paul Paul but seemingly their best three midfielders but they couldn't control the ball against nope. the poor Watford side no they are not, not, neither of those three players are, are players you want if you want to be on the front foot and to make incisive quick movements uh, Pogba's a fantastic player he's fantastic going up and down he's a box box in the classic style and that's great he's won a World Cup he's been in Champions League finals he knows what he's doing but he's not a controller of play. He's not a controller of tempo of a match. He's not a, a setter of attacks. He isn't. He's never been any of that. He kind of does Hollywood passes, and he does very well to try and be in the box at the right time, right place at the right time, and try and link play a bit. Herrera isn't. I don't know what he kind of is a number eight in the old school sense. He's somewhere there to facilitate more creative players to do their work, not necessarily through like being a defensive linchpin but being someone who kind of helps to be an outball for a recycler of the ball the likes of Xavi or Jorginho and he doesn't have that currently at Manchester United and he's not certainly not that at Manchester United and then Maddich is a destroyer always has been always will be and you know even at Chelsea he looked a bit forlorn near the end and it seems to be happening again at Manchester United that despite his experience and the the amount of that that brings to whatever team he plays for and you know he is good at winning that he's good at winning headers in the, in from goal kicks which is an important art that is often lost in 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 modern football and he is good at winning you know the challenges really and be, and being there you know for counterattacks but he isn't doesn't cover the ground he used to and is liable for mistakes as well and doesn't isn't the type of player that can you can build an attack off of so you're kind of out with those two players and I don't think necessarily they'll be sold because the buyers mightn't be there for big money and they're important squad players to be well, hard to find a replacement. There's player. actually it's been a, quite a talk of a few weeks for uh, Ander Herrera because mm-hmm. he's being linked with PSG. 
Yeah, apparently that, that's been, a PSG signing all Apparently, over. they've all already offered him a contract because he is out of contract in the yeah. summer. And Manchester United are trying to negotiate with him. Yeah. But uh, Andrew Herrera is asking for like nearly 200 grand a week. And yeah. Man United obviously don't want to give that to him because he's nearly 30. This yeah. is, this will be his last big contract. Yeah. So, like, fair fair play to Andrew Herrera for giving it a go. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he's got that PSG option in his back pocket anyway. Yeah. So, I, I assume they're offering him plenty of money. I, I, I get the feeling he'd rather say you know like he's always seemed like he's loved the club ever since he's been there I remember that time he spat on the badge of Man City when he was <laughs> yeah. walking by it at the end he had like this is a man who, who knows Manchester United yeah, he's always been touted very, he's been touted as a, a potential captain of that club as well which is, yeah. says a lot about his character yeah. so I think it, it would be a loss to miss him but if you're not if you're going paying him 200 grand a week nearly like you'd want to be keeping him nearly at what he's at maybe a slight increase in wage and then using them, using them sparingly. Like he, yeah. they need to still bring in central midfield. They did lose Fellaini, so they are down a number in uh, in midfield. Yeah. Like they are just missing rotation options. Fred, food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they can, if they could get rid of Fred this summer for anywhere near the money they signed him for, which maybe they'll have some wizardry and sell him for thirty million. Well, the thing with Man United is, at least since Woodward's come in, is that they've been very bad at selling players. Like the highest <laughs> fee they've gotten. I think is Angel Di Maria, besides obviously Ronaldo. Yeah. Uh, I think is Angel Di Maria, who they made a significant loss on <laughs> when they signed him, uh, when they sold him to PSG. I think they sold him for 42 million, yeah. having, having signed him for nearly 60. But like, we haven't even got to the worst areas of the field for Dead, like for not Deadwood again, but for players that don't fit the current system. Like, Herrera is, like, if you say, like, if I was him and there's a contract coming in from PSG for more money than I'm getting at Manchester United, <coughs> to, you know, for the end of my career, France is pretty easy. Yeah, like he, he'll win I'm sure title. he's considering it, and, yeah. and I've no doubt he'll end up at Bilbao at some point. Yeah, as well. exactly. He'll go home, but that you know, I I would I would leave it. Matic, I think you have to keep him around just for the numbers thing and for his experience. But to be a starter shouldn't be Pogba. Presuming, but he's then staying. who do they bring in to replace Matic and Herrera? You need, but that's the thing. I don't think necessarily that Solskjaer wants to play that kind of football where you have a a sweeper for lack of a better word because that's not the term for it, but a kind of Claude McAlady type sitting in front of the back four or back three or whatever he, he decides to play depending on, on the opposition and you know kind of screening everything out I don't think he wants that type of player he wants a quick reactive midfield and that isn't a managed type of player he needs a creative fulcrum that's going to distribute the ball to the players like Pogba or Herrera or other runners that they could have bringing through, you know, the young players they're bringing through that can run on from midfield and feed these young attacking quick forwards that they're doing. So I don't think it is the likes of, you know, a defensive midfielder they need. They need someone who can play back there but not necessarily be a hard But who, who is that player? That is the question. You're looking at someone they've been linked to for years, which is uh, your man at uh, Inter. Ivan Perisic? Yeah, but he obviously is too old. But you have to get someone like it's it's time to go back to another experiment. Like when they tried to sign Sesk, when they tried to sign when they signed Juan Mata, even though he isn't really that type of player, they need a smaller, more. No, you don't necessarily have to be smaller, but you need a more wise and technically gifted player, which Man United have not had in a long time to even try and replace the Michael Carrick ish play. That's the type of defensive midfield that they need, not a Matic type but a carry type who is more focused on the passing and recycling of play 
than necessarily tackling and being in the right place to win goal kicks. And you mentioned Juan Mata as well. Like I thought he was dreadful against Watford. Yeah. Like he had a few nice moments in the way that Juan Mata has nice moments. Yeah, but, but Mata's old beyond level. his years. Yes. Like and he's another one out of contract as well. Yeah. Like I think he's the kind of player that while you could renew his contract and maybe get a nice fee for him, I think you just let him go. Yeah. This is a nice courtesy to him. He's been a good servant to the club. Yeah. He's played twice as many games for United as, che- as he did Chelsea, which is amazing. Which is, you think? Yeah. He won Chelsea Player of the Year like three twice, times. Twice, I think, or at least twice. Yeah. Before Mourinho came in and kicked yeah. him out. Won everything at Chelsea. Like yeah, I always think of him as a Chelsea player still. Like yeah. he's such a good player at that time. Yeah. He was one of the best in the league at that point. Yeah. And at my United, he's just been it's all there. faded away. But you're you're for that midfield role. I don't. You're looking around, and again, you're looking for value because are you going to parachute in a, a superstar into that team but what, but what to play midfield like, to play uh, second fiddle to Paul Pogba I can tell you the players they've been linked with yeah they've been linked with Bruno Fernandes uh, Sporting Lisbon yeah they've been linked with uh, very loosely uh, Declan Rice yeah West Ham or uh, Abdelou Ducore who played against Manchester United this weekend yeah. and uh, your man uh, Leon and Dombele yeah they've been linked with those four players in midfield but I feel like all of those are difficult buys. Yeah. But you know it wouldn't be a difficult buy for a player not necessarily happy anymore. A swap deal with cash. Marco Verratti with Alexis Sanchez going the other way. I I think that's Marco Verratti is the exact type of player United need, you know, in there to be to to feed the Solskjaer type style of football. To get a you know, to get the ball quickly and get it forward quickly and not waste any time in it. And not necessarily, and be compact and be tight and be small. Not necessarily have to be hard hitting. Not necessarily have to be hard tackling. But be a compact unit that can break quickly. And I think he's proven he can do that. With like, especially since Neymar's come in, he changed his play a bit to be a little less. He was always a little more doddly on the ball. No, and he was still very good at by being doddly on the ball. But he would take his time building attacks. But now since Neymar and Mbappe have have taken hold of that that Paris Saint Germain side, he is as quick as anything, getting the ball forward as fast as possible and getting the ball to the best players, which I think is what Solskjaer wants in a, in his team and in his midfield. That would actually be quite interesting. It'd be very interesting to see Verratti in England, whoever he plays for in England. Yeah. And then you bring me on to the strikers of the forwards, Alexis Sanchez. He has to go, surely. Yeah, you like he's costing the club an awful lot of money. I'd be amazed if anyone signed him. That is it from China or America. Yeah, or, or if it was a Paris Saint Germain kind of swap deal, then he could do a utility role and bring an awful lot of experience to Paris Saint Germain and actually go and win trophies, which is something that poor Alexis Sanchez has lacked in his career. He hasn't won a trophy. Besides the FA Cup, he's not won a trophy since. Did he, he, was he, did he ever win the league at Barcelona? He must have because Barcelona were default did. league winners. No, but I don't think I think he was there because he he was he, he there almost, the year Atletico. Yeah, won? and he almost he was Barcelona's best player that season. But he know, was there two years, was he not? Yeah, but he was there. I think one of the Pep years as well, wasn't he? When Pep didn't win the last Pep year, the year they lost to Chelsea in the. I think so, or the the following year after that. Well, that was Pep left after that. Yeah. I think he did win a league title with. Was he? He wasn't there in fourteen fifteen, was he? When they won the treble. No, I think it was Arsenal at that stage. Was he still? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Because Arsenal got Ozil season four. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so. the thing. Like, he is lacking trophies, whether he won... That's really unfortunate. Yeah, and, you know, being at Udinese before that, he was never going to win anything in Italy. So, you know, he, he if he goes to France, I think that could entice him, among other things. And I think maybe, you know, while not getting the money, he's at... Well, maybe he would get the money because Paris Saint-Germain are crazy. But, you know, he would get something, like, at least in the, you know low quarter of a million per week level which is what he'd want for a player of his calibre even if he hasn't done for the last year and a half 
And then, like, obviously with the likes of Martial or Astrid Lingard, like, they're, they're well set there. You keep yeah, those I think players. I think they're there, players. but then you need... I think Lukaku doesn't work in this Solskjaer system. He's a great plan B, and he's actually played very well when he's played out the right-hand side. Yeah, oddly, that, that seems to be his best position for Solskjaer, United and Belgium. Yeah, Solskjaer wants to play a kind of... If not a two... If not a three-man, a two-man attack. So he has equal space players. He'd have someone coming in deep, a kind of false nine type player, whether it be Lingard or Rashford. He has a player off the left who's generally Martial if he's fit, and then he'll have uh, Lingard or Lukaku or out, or Rashford, depending on the yeah. type of play, out the right hand side. And Rashford, and you know, the the best player for that position is probably Rashford. If you know, if he's if he's playing a two man attack with Martial, say it definitely is. Yeah, and yeah. if he's playing a three man attack, then maybe there there's some. There's different options there to be had. But, like, Lukaku hasn't convinced when he played the centre forward role. There's, like, against Paris Saint Germain, he was up there for a bit when they were trying, when they were throwing everything against the wall, and it kind of worked out in the end. Got two goals in that match, yeah. but they were two freak goals. They as were, well. they were awful mistakes from the Paris Saint Germain defence. Played well against Crystal Palace, uh, like, week yeah. before that. Like, he has the propensity to score fantastic goals, and as Jamie Carragher can testify to, he can roll most defenders, and that is, he gets the ball, he's strong enough to roll them up, but Mourinho built him into a very strong player and it, it helped his game in some ways but it's also taken a lot of, out of his game which would have been more beneficial to the to Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so you're like Ooh, does he does he he has the summer like and maybe Solskjaer is going to give him a chance maybe he can kind of slim down a bit more again gain a bit more speed back lose a bit of that muscle and try you know and be a bit more of a, a agile player not I'm not saying he's going to be like Rashford or like Lingard or like Marshall by any stretch of imagination you wouldn't want him to be he still has that strength and you know power in his game that you don't want him to change that much but to give him a bit more of a flexibility for playing that centre forward role to be a bit more mobile up front not be a target man up there to, to win the ball and bring it in because Solskjaer's not going to play that way with a target man like plan B maybe but he wants the ball to go forward and then the players that are up forward to do the work because before like the rest of the team are probably not going to be that quick getting forward to help like I don't see the fullbacks being raging, like overlapping fullbacks for the most part, and I say the same for the defense and midfield, which will probably be a tight, close, closely held alliance, and then have three players more further forward, dedicated to attack with someone the likes of Pogba or other runners midfield trying to join in. Like I, uh, Lukaku probably would go, and then you'd have to say that. Like if he doesn't, he'll go, and then who would they sign as that kind of centre forward? Well, the big name that they're being continuously linked with is Jaden Sancho, which would be a bizarre signing just that to was, the sense that he was a Man City player. But he's only had the one year at Dortmund where he's been a starter, and he's only eighteen. So yeah, he's, he's still yet. very young. Like that slaps of uh, paper talk, but also Edward Ed loves a bit of paper talk. Yeah, it seems like it could be an Edward Ed fantasy signing. Yeah, and that's like Jaden Sancho. It's so much pressure to leap on the on the guy. It almost feels like he needs another year. Yeah, and then like, after Euro twenty twenty. Honestly, you give him you give him time and plus if I were him as well, you're in Germany, you're probably playing in a better league, no offence to the Premier League, but in terms of like the quality of football on offer every week, the com- the competition of football, like every team there isn't a massive gap between the tenth place team in Bundesliga and the second place team in the Bundesliga. Yeah, the the Bundesliga. Uh, and as while well, in the Premier League there is quite and I mean I don't mean in terms of points I mean in terms of quality they're playing good football they're playing similar football the level of player you could swap in a Hertha Berlin player into Borussia Dortmund and not lose much but the thing as well is like he's got such a long career ahead of him that rushing into 
signing for any other club, yeah. let alone Manchester United, could be a detriment to yeah. his uh, development. Yeah. Like obviously you trust Solskjaer because he's already done well with the young players of the club yeah. in his brief period. Uh, you trust him more than Mourinho certainly. Yeah. But you'd still like just give him another year. Like it's Dortmund. Like there's no harm. Yeah. He's already in the England squad, so there's no harm done there. Well, you'd also have to ask with Sancho. Like he didn't leave Man City on bad terms. They offered him a contract, but he was and they offered him the biggest. I think they offered him the biggest contract ever offered to a teenager to stay at Man City. And he turned it down because he wanted to play. Because, it, you know, no matter how good a young player is, you're still going to be quite... It's going to be tough to come in straight away into a top club in England because that's the way things are done in England, especially, you know, at the top end of the table. Very seldom you see the likes of, like... You needed a manager to Louis van Hal and an injury crisis for Marcus Rashford to actually get a chance at Manchester United. He took the chance, but it required a lot of things to fall into order for him to actually get that chance. So maybe you like he doesn't have animosity towards Man City, and maybe why would he go to Manchester United? He was at Man City. Maybe that actually means something to him. That yeah, hasn't been talked about at all. That, really. We don't know. I know because, he's not local. Like and yeah. he's come through different. Yeah, he started at Watford. He, yeah, he started at Watford, but he's not even from like that area either. He went there because they thought he again. He went there to play football. I think he's from London, and then he ended up in Watford. Yeah, because he wanted to play football at the younger levels and then he went to Man City because you know it was Man City and he played football at the lower levels and then when the time came to Pep Guardiola wanted to sign him on a, bring him into the first team squad when necessarily a starter or anything like or anything near a starter most likely with the development squad for the majority of the time he decided to go abroad and like go to a place that said look at our track record in Bruce Dortmund look at our track record look what we're doing we play players who are young we give everyone a chance and we don't just give them a chance for 10 minutes in the cup game we'll give you matches and they did, and they benefited from it, both the player and the club. And Dortmund are selling clean; they they've made no bones about that. Like he could go, but I'd like you. I'd hope he'd say at least for a while, just to see him develop a bit more and get a bit more into first team football, and then he can go to one of these big clubs. Because if he goes to Manchester United, he is going to be third in the pecking order. I I would imagine he'd start for Manchester. Who would he? Who would he dis- displace? Because Martial, I would say he displace Lingard. Yeah, like I like Lingard. I think he's a good player. But I think he displays Lingard. Yeah, but eventually, at the very early yeah, within. but that's if they play a front three, which they haven't done a huge amount of. And Sancho goes on the right hand side and cuts in. But then Sancho on the right hand side is he going to cut in? Is he going to be on top of Marcus Rashford? And you sacrifice yeah, it, one player it, it, for it the is, other. It is a weird one. Like, but I think he's more likely to start for Manchester United than he is Manchester City. Yeah, if true. we're talking those two clubs. True. I, well, I don't necessarily think he'll go back to City either. But like compared to guarantee, like he's worked his way into be a guaranteed starter for. For Borussia Dortmund, like he even he was crucial in their win midweek the last weekend. Yes, and he was, and like at times, like Dortmund is such a like there is such hot competition because everyone plays well. Like Paka Alcacer couldn't get back into the team despite scoring loads of goals for ages, and now he's back. But but for ages he could he couldn't get back into the team because the front players were Marcus with uh, Marco Royce and Jaden Sancho and uh, was it Pulisic? Pulisic? Yeah, not Pulisic. So I can't remember who else. But they were keeping. Uh, Pacquiao Cacer on the bench I remember in Champions League matches and it's like this guy's scored so many goals put him on the thing is he just keeps going from the bench yeah. which I think is more why he was on the bench than yeah. anything else it, it, but either way Pacquiao Cacer he wouldn't be fat <laughs> in that type of in that type of uh, system plan where, B certainly well I don't think it necessarily plan B because he does have good movement and he isn't a slow coach yeah but if you're already playing the front three as they are I don't think you're yeah, displacing you want, you any of those for a you want if you can't like not that Alan Hansen's right with the you win nothing with kids 
but you don't want the whole world of pressure being lumped on. Someone as injury prone as Anthony Marshall, which he has been, and someone who's been unhappy with the club in the past, far enough for him to like delete, like unfollow Manchester United on social media, and you know basically put in transfer requests in the past, and now he's happy, but for how long? You don't want to rely on him on his own. And Marcus Rashford, who is fortunately for him been without any serious injuries so far in his career, but you never know when something bad can happen to a player. You don't want those to be your absolute reliance. These are my yeah. No, two I'm options. not. I'm not saying Pat Alcacer is a bad signing. I'm just saying that he. You would think he'd be a good bench option in the way that he's been for Dortmund this year because like yeah. he's getting on as well. I think is he. No, he's still young. Is he still? Yeah, feels yeah, like he's been around for ages. Yeah, he has, but that's La Masia. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but either way, what happens in the summer is going to be very interesting. My because like Bayern Munich have already started spending. Real Madrid have already started spending. Uh, you'd imagine PSG are going to spend because of PSG. And Manchester United have already started losing players. Yeah, Manchester United are already like there is already paper talk of them spending. Like it's going to be a big summer, just yeah. generally speaking. Yeah, it's I going think to be interesting to see how that all trickles Yeah, because down. supposedly Arsenal are going to sign four or five players. Chelsea they linked with da- David Alba this week yeah. and Samuel and Titi, which was weird. It was, but Chelsea can't do anything. Man City haven't actually made. Like you'd expect them to actually make more wholesale changes this summer than last summer because they didn't make many changes last summer and the team kind of feels a bit stale now. Yeah, they just put in Mares, I think. Yeah, but like I don't mean sales in obviously they're still fantastic and they're still like favourites for the league. But if they stick with the same team three years running, you imagine they might run out of steam. Yeah, that would be my concern with them and you can kind of see it at times this year, like De Bruyne has burnt out to a certain extent, Silva will be that much older, Aguero will be that much older. And we're seeing it now with Tottenham. Yeah, exactly. But all of, and Tottenham actually will have to spend money this summer as well. So every in the Premier League, certainly every team is going to be open for business. So you're you're looking, it's going to be a busy, busy summer transfer window. Yeah, it's going to be very fun to to watch. Is your head in the sand? Can you, are you flexible enough to get your head in the sand? My suspicion would be no. Well, next weekend, they're not the most exciting of fixtures for the Premier League. We do have a few midweek games this week as teams try to catch up and uh, a few teams play their games in hand as it is that, that time of the year. Uh, we've got one on Tuesday with my one important one on Tuesday in Lolling Manchester United going to Wolves where they just played recently in the FA Cup and Wolves won 2-0. Yeah. 2-1, rather. As we spoke about it previously in, in the last section, uh, Manchester United were underwhelming at the, at the weekend. Very. And, you know, Watford actually worked a good goal in the end to, to get themselves kind of a consolation in that match. And if that had come earlier, who knows? Because Manchester United weren't really... Like, they didn't come across as the big team kind of working down the clock at 2-0 up. They were under pressure. Yeah, they were nervy. Exactly. And against Wolves, a team who they've lost to recently. Wolves, a team who were looking to kind of cement their place in the top seven from... There is a very... I think there's... Is it one point or three points separate? It's very close. It's 7-10, to tenth, which is, as we said a few weeks ago... Uh, or even longer ago that like there is a lot of teams in Premier League good enough for seventh place. The West Ham, Everton, Leicester, Watford, Watford are all in that in that with Wolves, and you're looking Wolves. They actually have something to play for in this, and and they have a lot of you know doing a double at home against Manchester United in a couple of weeks. It's quite it's still quite a uh you know a worthy uh goal to aim for for a team like and especially for a team that's been promoted. And they could just throw a bit of a spanner in the works of Manchester United. And this is going to be before a busy week for Manchester United where they have to go to Barcelona the following week, midweek, and they have 
Do they have a league match this weekend? They avoid a league match next weekend. Uh, that's what I was about to touch yeah. on because Wolves are playing in the FA Cup semi-final next weekend. Okay. And they just lost to Burnley away from home as well. So Wolves have kind of had a weird, are in a kind of a weird spot with this game because yeah. like they don't want to lose two matches in a row. But Wolves, but tend- they will want to rest players yeah. for Watford. Well, Wolves have tended to perform better against the top clubs than they have the bottom clubs. The True, games they've well. lost, like as you said, they lost two to Huddersfield this season. Yeah. They've lost to Burnley. They've lost to you know I can. I, like the games they've lost have been oh they lost to that match yeah you know yet they're putting in performance against Manchester United against Arsenal against Chelsea against Liverpool like not always winning but putting in performances that don't get them shown be destroyed out of sight type of games like they are staying in touch with the teams they're playing and at home against Manchester United who will be you know cautious going ahead to the Barcelona match the following week like they don't no one will want any injuries no one will want you know anything like that and I say Solskjaer has said I was team like nothing stupid lads get the job done uh, I'd be interested to see because Matic and Herrera were so poor do they keep their spot on the side or yeah. do they get rested because they're both back from injury Yeah. so do they get rested ahead of Barcelona and does he week? use this opportunity to maybe blood a few more players well I'd like or to see McTominay come back in yeah rather. McTominay could come back in but Sanchez if is Sanchez even Man, Sanchez is out. He is he himself out, out? pre-international break. Oh. He he's out for the rest of the season. Oh, is he out for the rest yeah. of the season? Oh my god! I meant player. I don't even. I wasn't even aware of that. He got injured against Brighton or something. Yeah, I remember him, but I didn't think he was out for the rest of the season. I think I he's he out, out for. for I think he's out for the rest of the season. I thought he might be back for the Barcelona match, but that, yeah. But I thought like, does he? You know, does he risk somebody some kind of misfiring players and give them a chance in this? Well, like, does Lukaku come back in yeah. the side? And do, like cup get maybe get a goal or two if he can or something like that, or is it is that too risky against a side that's very resolute, that's very strong in defense, and that has shown that can break United down, that can pounce on any United mistake as they did in the FA Cup and score some goals, or have Wolves actually just run out of steam this season and they're kind of happy where they are and they'll be going focus on the FA Cup. Yeah, exactly, and they'll be happy with the league. They've no risk going down. They probably are going to finish in the top ten, which would be a triumph in itself for a promoted site and the thing as well is like we talked about the battle for 7th but 7th could be completely rendered mean- meaningless if Man City don't win the FA Cup if any of the other three teams win the yeah. FA Cup 7th means nothing yeah and not that any team wants necessarily the Europa League yeah I'd say, I'd say Wolves would six like it technically still isn't. 6 still technically isn't Europa League place uh, I think it is though because Man City won the Carabao Cup no it still isn't until I think something has to happen in the Europa League I think Okay, I'm not. I'm not if one of the sure. Premier League teams win the Europa League, they uh, get into the Champions The sixth place then... team will have to do the qualifiers. I think is the worst that can happen. Yeah, to six. it could still not. It still could have knock-on effects, which would be very bad for teams. One of the big teams having to start their season early July. Yeah, which would be funny though, because like you know the preseason. Yeah. They'll but there's no inter- there's no the, despite the the finals of the international. What's the name of that? The International Champions Cup or something? No, the. The Nations League. Oh, yeah, the Nations League. At the end. Is that at the end of May, being the June? That's right after the Champions League final. Yeah. So, like, presuming, like, that's the only international tournament this summer other than the Cup America on again. Cup America's on. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, there, there's no mainstay Euros or <coughs> World Cup on. So, the majority of players in European leagues will have majority of the summer off. So, even, it's not the big, it's not like a World Cup year where it would be on while the World Cup is on or just right after it. Um, but, yeah, I... I You'd have to say Manchester United are favourites given that, you know, they're still winning matches. They're, they have something to play for in the top four and they have the kind of motivation of getting ready for that Barcelona match the following week. And so, then uh, Wednesday, Chelsea, Man City and Spurs are all at home. 
Spurs obviously play their first home match uh, yeah, at the New White Hart Lane against Crystal Palace. Palace, you know, love the love the game against Spurs. They do. They have good away performance in them. I think they have a better away record than home record this it, season. It would be very Spursy for them to lose the first match. That as. would be quite funny. It <laughs> like, just not necessarily funny, but it's it seemed, just it would yeah, though. It would, yeah. What was the quote you had earlier? Uh, I can't quite remember the quote, but I'll paraphrase. It was like it's uh, the thing about football is that no matter what happens at the end of the day, the joke is still on Spurs. Yeah, like, that's the history of the Tottenham. Yeah. yeah. As we keep saying, but like it would be very like Palace, a team who have very little to play for either. Like they are only on, I think they're thirty six points. You'd imagine they're safe though. Yeah, they're roughly safe. They have enough matches. I think they're eight points clear of Cardiff. If yeah, nine or ten. Like, and I think Newcastle might lose on Monday night to Arsenal, so that will most likely mean that they're still ahead of Newcastle, their closest you know rivals for that fourteenth, fifteenth place. So yeah, Palace are not much to play for apart from relegating teams. Yeah, Patrick Van Adel. Patrick Van Adel has relegated three teams in a row. So, really, is I think the biggest summer signing, uh, you know, kind of thing going on. The biggest scoop is who does Patrick Van Adel go to next season, and whatever team that is. (laughs) will not get relegated because they'll have to play Patrick Van Arnold. But what if he scores an own goal? That is true. Yeah, that is true. That's the real risk you're yeah. actually pulling there. Yeah. Uh, but then Chelsea host Brighton, Man City, Cardiff. Uh, Man- poor Cardiff after the weekend. They've yeah, had Man City are going to kill Cardiff. Yeah, well, yeah, they are. They are yeah. gonna, they are but Chelsea gets Brighton. It is a Stamford Bridge where Chelsea <laughs> yeah, are a bit better. Brighton are due a victory. They've been playing well and been get, not getting the results. And this happened earlier in the season. And I remember against Spurs, they um, lost even though they didn't deserve it. I think they lost 2-0 in the end. 2-1, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't deserve it at all. And they kind of bounced back a couple of weeks after that and started getting a run of fixtures together. And I feel there might be something else like a backlash coming for Brighton as well because they, they've been badly served by a couple of performances like they have won a few as well so don't get me wrong but like in the last month or two they've kind of like Brighton have been playing quite well and not getting the just reward they for took it. ages to get a win in 2019 yeah. as well which was probably harsh which is them. what I'm saying Like they, except for that FA Cup run the season play City on Sunday yeah which is kind of funny in itself but yeah bringing up the the FA Cup I like do, do, does Chris Hutton rest players for the FA Cup probably but the thing as well is though like they're not cons- when you consider safe. Chelsea and how they play, the last team they're going to want to play is the likes of Brighton or Burnley. Yeah. And they're playing Brighton on Very Tuesday, Very functional Wednesday. team who make the game hard, who will make it difficult for their slow, slow players. Can score on set pieces. We are talking about Manchester United earlier and how Solskjaer wants to play fast football. Sarri wants to play slow football. Yeah. So... You're playing a, if you play slow football on a tight pitch like Sanford Bridge against a team who does not want to play you at all, you're in a whole load of pain, really. And, you know, the likes of Eden Hazard, it's kind of a game made for him. If he can turn it on, he can just do his little, you know, roll the roll the ball under his foot and beat a player and maybe create a chance or score a goal. Or Higuain, you know, it's it's in his wheelhouse to score against the club at that lower half of the Premier League, maybe. 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 Uh, Drew loves a good goal against a team like this as well. He's always prolific against smaller sides. Maybe he gives him a chance in this match. Him against Shane Duffy is the kind of battle I want to yeah. see. But like you bring up that like they're hard, hard players in Brighton and this Chelsea team needs some luck. They got a bit of it today against Cardiff. They won it undeservedly, you'd have to say. They're, they were poor. Was that be enough to springboard the rest of the season and a, and a race back to the top four? No. Personally, yeah, I don't necessarily think they're going to hit the top four at this point because they are playing that badly and still don't have a great fixture list going into the last Still have to go to Old Trafford, still have to go to Anfield. Yeah. It's not great for it's not looking good for Chelsea. Although it is looking good that you know, if you're going to use the the analogy of you know, Chelsea sacking managers and then doing well out of it, 
they won the Europa League uh, when they sacked uh, Bobby Di Matteo, Roberto Di Matteo. They won the Champions League when they sacked Andre Villas-Boas late in the season. Around this time, he was sacked in March. I have to remember. Yeah, it was first week of March, and it was like around the quarterfinals. Yeah, which <laughs> they play next week or two weeks from now. Yeah, in the, in the, so maybe a European trophy beckons for Chelsea and a Champions League entry via that way. Oh, that would be that would be funny. And then just finally, just kind of a PSA that next week. Uh, the Dürer Klassiker is on, as they call it in Germany. Bayern they Munich. don't really call it. They Germany. don't really know. Sky Sports Germany call it's it. It's just that. kind of a nice word, Dürer Klassiker. Uh, they lo- it should be the- something much better than that because Germans love their compound words. So be classic. What's match in Germany? I, I don't speak any German. Okay, someone tell us what like a great uh, the classic match between two teams from one from Bavaria, one from where where from Dortmund. What's the great area of Dortmund? It's near. Uh, is it near Gelsenkirchen? It is near Gelsenkirchen. But I, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, someone tell us what the compound word is for that because I think <laughs> the Germans would love that much more than their classicer. Uh, top of the t- table clash should be exciting. The reverse decider. fixture was very exciting. It that was, was one yeah. of the best matches I've seen this season. So uh, if Kovac nothing else... Has, has Bayern playing a bit better than they were yeah. in the first half of the season. They still crashed out of the Champions League. Rather weekly. Yeah, both guess, teams did though. Yeah, true. Dortmund did as well. But they're both kind of got back into a bit more of a league rhythm. I think... More than anything, then this might be off on a bit of a tangent, but like, did the winter break negatively impact the German sides? Because they Europe. weren't, yeah, because yeah. they weren't up to speed at all. They True. played the way what two weeks after coming back. The first, uh, yeah, it was very close. Two, maybe three weeks yeah. for Bayern. And, yeah, they'd only played two matches by the time yeah. they played Liverpool. And you're like, ooh, and Dortmund lost obviously after starting well, and they kind of ran. And out they of lost. Uh, they're not up to that well. intensity. Yeah, they're not up to that intensity. And you often say that about Russian teams in the past that them having the you know the season being off during the winter because for obvious climatic reasons, it often hurt them in European competition for decades. Like they very seldom won European trophies as a result of that. And you're like, oh, maybe it is having a bit. Of, and you know, maybe the 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 chickens have come home to roost in a way that you know the English always. <laughs> well, there's four oh, English teams left. Exactly, and they didn't have any break, and maybe it's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have any break at all, and that's what that's maybe, what will win us trophies. Maybe it's actually the whole thing is just cyclical; like it's got nothing to do with the winter break at all. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. and on that note, uh, we'll be ending this week's show. Uh, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you, and I'll uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. You can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram. You can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.